good to be back home. Um, last week we had the privilege of being, I had the privilege of being at uh, New Frontiers Church at Faversham, and uh, they send their greetings to you. Today we're continuing our, our series on um, identity because we know there's an identity crisis in our land, and um, if there's one thing that will help people with the identity crisis. It is the gospel. It's only the gospel that can really give that identity um, transformation that we need. I'm going to be reading quite a bit of scripture today, so um, I just warn you in advance. And sometimes, as preachers, you think we don't want to read too much scripture. But actually, scripture, we believe, is the inspired word of God and there's an anointing on it. So um, don't, when I do read scripture, don't be waiting for the next bit. But see, when I'm reading the scripture as the best bit of the preach. Can you understand that? Because that will be the most anointed bit. So I'll, I'll forewarn you now. So, Father, please help me. Please help, help us to grasp everything about what you want to say today, Lord. We, we thank you so much that Jesus, when he walked on earth, Lord, he was... Father, thank you for sending him. He was the perfect man, the totally integrated person. The only one that's ever walked the earth, totally integrated. We thank you now that we're found in him and we can enjoy all the benefits of him. Amen. A new identity. If you've got a Bible, if you'd like to turn to Luke chapter 8, verse 22 to 39. Jesus calms a storm. That's what my NIV Bible gives this subsection for. So, verse 22. One day, Jesus got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let's go across to the other side of the lake, boys. So, they set out and they sailed and he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake and they were, fill, they were filling with water and were in danger. And they woke him up. Would you dare wake Jesus up? Um, Say, Master, Master, we're perishing. And he woke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased. And there was a calm. He said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid. And they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and water that they obey him? I would have loved to have been in that boat for one moment where they were having a disciple who was going to wake him. Because they'd already been burned before when they tried to rebuke the Lord. And I, I guess they had, well, Peter, you, I'm not, I'm not going to rebuke, rebuke him. I got rebuked the last time for rebuking him. You know, get behind me, say, so, no, why don't you, James? And I think when it said they, they come to an agreement that they do it corporately together. So none of them got individually rebuked by Jesus. But anyway, he woke up. And um, because he was going to the other side of the lake. He said, let's go over to the other side of the lake. And some commentate, Bible commentators say this, that even if it had sunk, the boat would have got there because Jesus said, let's go over to the other side of the lake. And his words are eternal. Even as a submarine, I don't know. But um, he was confident that even though the storms are going to come, Jesus would get to where he wanted his disciples to be. You know, it can be uncomfortable for leaders being around Jesus. I want you to know that. Um, for these, it was quite an uncomfortable journey for them. It was discipling them and training them. Uh, this week, um, I had the privilege of being at a New Frontiers Leaders Forum, 
where 30 people sat round in a big circle with uh, Terry Virgo, fathering God to many, so well, to our movement really. And uh, we, I was quite excited by going to this soiree and uh, what would, you know, would we have deep teaching and uh, you know, revelation and I walked in and uh, they were just sitting around and the guys were just saying, one after a time, the whole two days was about, Terry was saying, what's God doing in your life personally? How's your life doing? What's happening in your family? And what's happening in your church? What's happening in terms of the culture? Um, how are you doing church in our culture? And some people spoke for half an hour. Others spoke for 10 minutes. And we would just talk about it together, the issues we're facing. And it seems to me that leaders, um, uh, they're on special training course from God. I think that's what I would say. Every one, there was problems, encountering problems. And uh, one, one wag said, um, said this. He, he quoted uh, um, Charles Stanley. If you've heard of Charles Stanley, he's on the God, God channel sometimes. He said this. All people are either going into a storm, in the midst of a storm, or coming out of a storm. And uh, leadership can feel like that at times. I don't think that's fully true because there are times where it's quiet and everything's roses. But life can be like that, can't it? Yeah? You think, yeah, we're through it now, then boy, something else happens. Um, and and G- it was Jesus was taking these men across to the other side. He wanted to go to the other side for a reason. They were just following Jesus. They didn't know that there was going to be a storm ahead. They didn't know what was going to await them in this other land, the other side of the lake. Now, the the land, the other side of the lake, I need to say to this, in Lake Galilee, it wasn't a place um, Jews would go. It was was really a bit pagan. Um, I won't go into that too much, but it's a, you know, there was a lot of pig farms over there. And uh, it, it, but Jesus said, we want to go over there. I'm so glad Jesus got in the boat. When we're going around in this circle, <laughs> telling what God was doing with us, this one guy, it was, it, he had, the, he called it the worst holiday from hell. So he's a church leader. You know, you think perhaps church leaders get a special dispensation for God, always to have nice holidays. Uh, he said, uh, but as he was showing this, we were all bursting out laughing because we thought it was so funny. And I know you want to hear what happened. He said, this is my holiday from hell. We plan to go, they plan to go to a, on a Scandinavian journey because they're for a family wedding. So they booked with three, two or three kids, booked the flights. And uh, his brother-in-law had set up the accommodation for them because it's very expensive apparently in Scandinavia, isn't it? You know, that 50 quid for a coffee, I don't know, but it's expensive. <laughs> They get to the airport, they miss the aeroplane. So they've got to spend the whole day in the airport with fractious kids waiting for the next aircraft, which would cost another 500 quid before they even started. They couldn't go back because, to their house because the builders had been organised to come in and do big repairs to the house while they're away. So they had to carry on going forward. The flight was awful, irritable kids, and they arrived, what they thought would be a nice apartment. It was a ground floor basement room with no windows in a big complex with a a bunk bed and a single bed for their family, I think, of five, including husband and wife. 
So his wife had to take turns in, for this duration of their holiday, sleeping on the single bed. And sometimes he would sleep on the bunks with one of his lads. Whole, whole time. Not only that, they lost their key was the master key for the whole apartment block with 500 doors. And they lost it. So they were in danger of having to pay for a replacement of 500 locks. He said it was a wholly different hell. They got back home and they realised they left the cat locked in a bedroom <laughs> for a whole week. It had gone absolutely berserk, ripped everything up, it had climbed up the blinds, it had scraped all the wooden blinds to smithereens. Thank you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> and it... I'm so blessed to see that guy still following the Lord and doing a great job. So I want you to know, if your holiday goes south, it's life at times. But pray for a good holiday. <laughs> so the disciples arrived to the other side of the, of the lake. And Jesus went straight into bringing healing and wholeness to broken lives. Verse 26. They sailed to the country of the... Gadocenes. In one translation, it's Gabardines. I call it the Gabardine, so it's easy. I can remember the Gabardine swine rather than the Gabardine swine. So Gabardine swine, which was opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out of the onto the land, they, they there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When they saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice. What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demons into the desert. This guy had an identity crisis of epic proportions. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion, because the demons were speaking through the man. And that's an interesting thing when that happens to you when you hear a demon speaking or demons speaking at you through a person's mouth. It's even weirder when it's a lady you're praying for and a man's voice comes out. It's just freaky. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man, entered the pigs and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. Just imagine if there are a couple of people sunbathing on the bottom by the sea. (laughs) And a husband said to the woman, something other like, you know, da, da, da. And she said, well... I believe that if I see pigs flying. (laughs) Just a thought. (laughs) When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and the country. Then the people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. That's an identity transformation. And they, note this, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. 
Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. This is interesting, isn't it? It should have been great joy because a man with a really broken identity had got a healed identity. Their response should have been joy, but it was fear. So he got into the boat and returned. Interesting. Jesus won't stay around if the people ask him to depart because of what he's doing. Be warned, church. Be warned. Be warned. Then the man from whom the demons had gone out, gone, begged that he might be with Jesus. But Jesus sent him away, saying, return to your home. Wonderful. Get a home life. Get a home life. Do normal stuff again. And declare how much God has done for you. Fella, start witnessing. Start telling the story. The kingdom of God has come. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. And I think this is one of the most powerful stories of identity crisis that we have in scriptures. And as we continue to ask the question, who am I? And how can Jesus give us a new identity? Is that a good question? For a long time, he had worn no clothes. He had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When we were at Norwich, before we came here, we set up a, I had the privilege of setting up a, a showers and laundry facilities for homeless people. Coordination with the Salvation Army, who would have a, a showers facilities at the weekends. Um, Sorry, in the, in the daytime, Monday to Friday then. But there was nothing for weekends. So we thought we'd set up something at the King Centre at Norwich for people who hadn't got anything. You see, the problem is when you haven't got anything, the, only, the last thing you have is the clothes you're standing. Your identity is reduced to that small thing. You take it for granted. You go into the wardrobe, pick up and clothes. Well, I think I... I'm feeling bright today, I'll wear pink. <laughs> right? Or today, I'll be mainly wearing grey. <laughs> Remember the old joke. These people who'll be having to survive on handouts, I don't know, some people, that's a chosen lifestyle. They want to wander around. No responsibility. We found there were people there who were executive, di- ex- executive directors of businesses, businesses, and it all went south for them. And they found themselves on the road, on the street, for no problem, no fault of their own. In our society, the last dignity that they would have to take their clothes off, what they own, have it thrown away, and have to have hand-me-down clothes. So we felt, well, why can't we put in shower facilities, laundry facilities, where the people could come in, they could take off their clothes in a changing room, be given a tracksuit, they could wash their own clothes. We've got all these tumble dryers in a church centre. That'd be great to have at Ashford, wouldn't it? And they were given hot meals, play games, 
and then they go away in the clothes they came in that were washed and ironed. You see, that's an identity crisis. In our charity, we can actually drive deeper and deeper the issue of identity because we don't think it through. And when we've gone back to, um, to Norwich, it's always a joy to see people serving food at the conferences. And, and somebody whispered to me, that person came through our ministry, Shouts and Laundry's ministry. Clothed, beautiful, healed, gospel, gospel transformation. And that's a big issue for us, to do that. To have that sitting right alongside in the very centre of our church facilities. Homeless people coming in. Some other people... We're in a really bad state. We had to have security glass on, security systems in because of the drunkenness, because people were just drowning their sorrows. Drugs, needles. Big issue. That is a big issue. I'm so glad we did that as a church because it's a broken world. And it's all right for us to say... They need a new identity in Christ. But that's a journey. That's a journey. It doesn't all happen at once, does it? Does it happen with you all at once? And if there's going to be a change of identity through the gospel in people in our community, I think there's got to be a change in our hearts that we handle that, we allow that, we allow ourselves to become a redeeming, a redemptive community. You got me? Where we can allow space for that transformation to happen. <coughs> Graveyards can be scary places. Right? He lived amongst the tombs. Um, confession time. Uh, <laughs> when our gang, the George Street Bucket Bangers, we've had many initiation rites, whether it's eating ute stew to newcomers. We didn't have to do that because we were founder members. But another initiation thing we did was to... In, do you remember the days for those older ones? We could, you could play out till it was late, at, you know, dark, or 7, 8 o'clock at night. You'd just go and play. It was safe. We used to, <laughs> we used to take the, the gang and the prospective new members down to a graveyard in Enderby in Leicestershire, and uh, we stand at the top and say, right, you've now got to run in the dark through the, to the bottom of the graveyard, touch the, the fence at the bottom, and come back in the dark. Now, as a, like an 11-year-old, that is pretty scary. Yeah, that, it was even more scary when we'd arranged for some gang members to hide in white sheets behind the tombstones <laughs> and go, <"Whoa!" laughs> um, How I needed Jesus to save me. And change me. It's amazing how old, how sinful an 11-year-old can be. But this story that we're reading about this morning is not a game or a dare. It ha- really happened. This lonely, broken man epitomised the extent of a human being being created by God can experience such a loss. He's made in the image of God. What Richard said last week is true. We may, mankind is made in the image of God. And yet we see here a man so broken, so warped, how could there be anything of God's image in it? There was still the stamp of the image of God within him. Does anyone remember Stevie Winwood? 
Stick your hand if you know, am I talking to foreigners? Oh, good. There's some, there's some, you see, we've, we, I, I asked Sue to go into the loft today and to get a, I said, pick out any record because I want to have an illustration. I've got to destroy this record. If, she picked out a Stevie Winwood and I felt I need to say, go back and get a, another one because this is too precious because it's Steve, Stevie Winwood. You know, he's a very great musician. And um, what I did, <laughs> by way of illustration, this because is costly to me, even though we've no longer got a record player, but I put it in the oven. Jim, thank you for wiring in the oven yesterday. But you see, it's unpl- you could just about play it there's every track on there, it's warped. It's still the vestige of the image. It's still be coming through. That's like our lives. We're still made in the image of God. Your neighbour is made in the image of God. Stephen Winwood is made in the image of God. The people in prison in our land, are still made in the image of God. The person you walk by begging is still made in the image of God. But like all of us, because we all have sinned, it affects that image. So the gospel is about transformation of our lives, so we become more godly. Anybody wants to turn it into a fruit bowl, you can do. Apparently, they make very nice fruit bowls. He's walked whole piece them. We still have the imprint, but we're so broken. No clothes left, no dignity. Most probably self harming, too. Most probably self harming. Why do people self-harm? Many reasons. But one reason will be asking a question, who am I? I'm nothing. Full of rage at others, no home life. He lived amongst the tombs. When I was preparing for this, I did feel the Holy Spirit say this. This is going to shock some of you. It's, it's, I want you to look up the lyrics from a band called Limp Biscuit. I'm looking to see you now, see the shock. Yeah, you, Doreen, well done, impressed. You think, who on earth a Limp Biscuit? Well, because of, I won't go there as a Christian, right? But um, it, it's, it's a, a punk rock band. Um, and they headed the, I didn't even know this, it all fitted together. Depending on how the Holy Spirit leads you. Um, they, they became well-known through a tour, a music tour, that travelled the music festival um, uh, circuit in, in the United States. It's actually called the Warped Tour. <laughs> they call the, this music festival that's really big, that, that uh, the skateboard shoe manufacturers, Vans, among others, sponsor the tours every year since 1995. It's called the Vans Warped Tour. And Limp Biscuit often headed this tour up. Now, why the name? Fred Durst apparently named the band Limp Biscuit because he wanted a name that would repel listeners. It repelled me. But while we were prepping it, I sense Holy Spirit, I want you to look at the, the lyrics of a, 
and I just chose a song. I'm going to read it to you. Limp Biscuit at Gateway Church, Ashworth. I'm not saying go out and buy the CD. Please don't bother. Please be released from doing that. I'm the bad one, that so bad son, because I'm running nowhere. You see, the black sheep everywhere. You need to drop that guard, man. It ain't that hard. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares. Nobody loves me. Nobody owes me a thing. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares. Nobody loves me. Maybe I'll go eat worms. Now, what's the matter with this? Someone's sure to find me on that day in that desert. Somebody found that man. A boat landed and a man stepped off the boat. Somebody found him. When 99 go astray, Jesus goes for the one. So the one that goes astray, the 99 safe. And he goes on, nobody loves me. Maybe I'll go eat worms. This is a human being. I'm so sick of the world now. It's all those people attacking my identity. Still made in the image of God, but very broken. It's almost the soundtrack to this story of this man, the demoniac. But behind the demons, there was a real man broken. Because it doesn't, the Bible doesn't tell us how he got there. But at one point, he would have been a normal guy or a normal child. But this demonic spirit had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Trying to keep the despair and confusion over his identity under control, under guard driven by frustration, to live a very desert life. That's what it does. A broken identity, it causes us to live a life in a desert where we can't let anybody get near us. But you know, Jesus got near this man because Jesus knew what was going to happen. And he said, he, was obviously, he obviously thought, these disciples need a lesson in life. We're going to get into the boat, we're going to go, guys... I'm going to show you what ministering to the broken is all about. We're in a vibrant church here. Some years ago, before our New Frontiers days, we were in a church, and a very tall lady came into the church. A bit unusual, really deep voice. I've got to say, very big feet. And a lot, a lot of makeup. It was clear that she was indeed a man. The low voice couldn't hide it. At first, it seemed funny. But as we got to hear her story about confused identity, the loneliness, the wanting to fit in, the wanting to find God, the sheer courage to cross the doorstep of the church building, you imagine that, We were deeply challenged by our inner prejudices and fear. Clearly, we had a lot of learning to do. If Jesus was really going to reach a broken world through us in that church at all. We talk a lot about wanting to be a vehicle for the gospel in church that gives a new identity of who we really are. Bringing freedom from guilt and despair. 
but I'm not sure we're ready yet. I'm not sure we're ready. But we've got to get ready. I don't want Jesus to get into the boat and go back over the other side because we're fearful of the consequences of what Jesus is doing by bringing people a new identity. Are you hearing me, church? As we sat around this, in this circle, one dear church leader said, well, the challenge that we're walking through at the moment, there's a, a couple in our church who's got a baby girl, but they're both lesbians. And the child calls both mummy. And we're sitting there. How do you handle this? I've got to say, we don't know. But those two ladies are wanting Jesus into their life. They've given them space, the church, to encounter Jesus. See, it's all right for me to say we believe in a new identity of the gospel. That's the easy bit. But when Jesus starts encountering people who are so broken, so confused about identity, that it doesn't fit into your cultural mindset, then we have a problem, church, if we're really going to minister to a broken world. We have a little saying here, grace gives space. I don't know whether we're ready. But I want us to be ready. You see, Jesus is... See, Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he went over to the other side of the lake. This was the area where godless people lived, non-covenant people. This is where he was taking them. Jesus' discipling technique was not to wrap them in cotton wool of a classroom, but to expose them to real-life situations where his disciples would have to grow through what faced them. The storm in the boat, the location of the Gerizines, which comes from the Hebrew word alien, stranger, foreigner. Might be a clue in that. The actual, one of the Greek lexicons for the word gerasene means a stranger drawing near. Oh my word, I could preach on that. What happens if strangers draw near? What happens if people cross that, that threshold of our building or in the hub, whatever, and they don't fit into our so, certain context of comfortableness? It's such a word like that. It's uncomfortable, this, isn't it? He was blooding them, growing them, preparing them for when he ascended back into heaven, for them to continue the work, exposing them to feeding. No, you do it. You can't, I can't always keep protecting you. You do it, because I'm not. one day I won't be here. You've got to carry on and do it. He didn't wrap them in cotton wool as he was discipling them. Do you think Jesus' disciples... Do you think Jesus disciples churches as well as individuals? Big question. Actually, why don't I invite you, why don't I ask you that now? (laughs) Do you think Jesus disciples churches as well as individuals? Think about it. You're quiet on the stage. 
What do you think on the stage? You're not sure? Okay. Ben, what do you think? Do you think Jesus will disciple churches as well as individuals? He does. Yeah, you do. It's a big question, isn't it? Because it means we're on a journey together and we're going to be put in situations where he says, now you feed them. You feed them. He was exposing them to broken, hurting people with broken identities. The feeding of of the 5,000 lay around the corner. You get through that obstacle, that test, there's another one waiting around the corner. That's building church. There's obstacles facing us and the leadership that we're getting through that are even bigger ones. (laughs) That's the nature of it. I'm so thrilled that Alpha starts tomorrow. There's a great team ready to rock. We've now doubled the Freedom in Christ ministry. Thank you, Roy and Viv, Paul and Barbara, for developing that. Because this will enable people to come to faith in Christ, to understand the beauty of this new identity, and walk people through in a practical level. We ought to honour these people. I'm doing that right now on behalf of the eldership team. We thank you. for the, because We're multiplying it in readiness But what if Jesus said to the church gateway, let's go to the other side of the lake, jump in the boat. (laughs) The ex-violent man sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind. The sex offender who has done his time and wants a fresh start with Jesus. That person self-harming with piercings all over, realising that Jesus was pierced for him. Could you cope with it? Could we cope with it? I don't know. You see, when we're talking about a new identity, it's not just going to happen in isolation. It's got to be walked through in the community of the redeemed. Big challenges. But if the church can't be the redeeming community, where else? Where else? In verse 35... And they, the people, were afraid. Jesus, though, he came to seek and serve the lost, didn't he? The friend of sinners. Oh, this is uncomfortable. But we've got to preach it. Because I believe this is the heart of Jesus' next step for our church. Because already, those in the know, know that it's happening. It's happening at the hub before it happens here. It's happening in our contacts, our friends. Simon Peter doing a bit of sun bo- sun top sunbathing when he was down at Joppa. Um, fast forward a few years. He's now, I'm now in the Acts of the Apostles, Acts chapter 10. I'm going to have to paraphrase this because of time. But at that point, the Gentiles, who were seen as really ungodly, were, the early church was really just moved, it, it was consisted of the Jewish Christians, okay, so they were Jews become followers of Jesus, they were called followers of the way. And, Jesus, and Peter's walking around ministering, it's really good stuff, yeah, a lot happening. Bit of this, bit of that. And uh, he's, he's having a prayer time up on the roof in Joppa, 
in the house of Simon the Tanner. And he, God gives him a, vi- a vision of a sheep coming down from heaven. And it's got all sorts of unclean animals in it. Now, you will know that the Jews didn't eat certain, you know, unclean animals. No, no. No, Lord, I won't do that. And this, this vision comes down um, of, a, of a sheep from heaven. And all these unclean animals. And the, the, the angel said, Peter, eat. Eat from it. All this food. He said, oh, not on your nelly. I'm not going to do that, Lord, because that's unclean. I'm, yeah. And um, unknown to him, God was preparing in the house of Cornelius, which he's a Roman soldier. He just had a dream saying, you to go to find a, um, send some of your servants to uh, um, Simon the Tanner in Joppa and ask for a man called Peter because he's going to help you. You see, God was working outside of where Peter was living ministry-wise. And God, do we believe God's at work in our town? Where you are in your office, in the hospitals, wherever, God's at work. He's just going to join up the dots. Now, there was an issue here because Peter didn't want the dots to be joined. So he said, I'm not going to do it. He said, yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. And in the end, because Peter loved Jesus and he learned to trust Jesus, he said, okay. And these people came exactly as the Holy Spirit had said. And he goes off with them. And he goes to um, Bethsaida. And he's meeting this, uh, what he considered a heathen and unclean. And uh, he said, well, I can see God's not a respecter of persons. He starts preaching to them. And the Holy Spirit comes down. And they all get filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow, that's fun, isn't it? It doesn't say how they worked it out. One thing I've learned is when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, it's hugely critical to helping you work through what it is to have your new identity. Let's not downplay the Holy Spirit's role in being filled as a, as a, a part of the transformation process. It's critical. I believe in Jesus, baptised in water. Yeah, but have you been filled with the Holy Spirit since you believed? That's critical. Because he's he's the healer, he's the helper. He's the encourager. He will help you from within to transform. And so, it leaped over a boundary. The gospel went over a cultural boundary... Had Peter said, no, I'm not having this. This is too uncomfortable. Like the, those, those people of the Gerizines. No, we don't want you. Jesus, and that's very nice to him, but we don't want this. This is too uncomfortable. Had Peter not been able to transition over, you wouldn't be sitting here today. And I don't know what fully this means. I'm just trying to be obedient to the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. But it's a heart transformation. We're saying, yes, Lord, not your will. I will be done. I believe we sang a song this morning that went like this. What is, um, how does it go? Um, Something about, let my heart be like yours. What is it? Break my heart. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Here we please? I'm missing three pages out. 
And so, you better be ready for challenge and change because there's a new day coming. If I'm, what I'm sensing is from the Holy Spirit. And what of the man? How did he get his new identity? Jesus touched his troubled life. He responded to the words of Jesus, which is the key to personal transformation, and ended up sitting cleansed, clothed, and commissioned. That's basically it. Our new identity starts by hearing the words of Jesus, responding to it. We're cleansed from sin. His blood cleanses us from all sin, every stain. Clothed with his righteousness, not of our own, trying to, trying to make it work, but God gives us Jesus' righteousness. You're accepted. Wonderful new identity. We're all one in him. And commission. Go and share to your neighbours. As we see this transformation, the gospel will permeate like never before. But are we ready? I don't think we are, but I think we can be. Because I know you, that you love Jesus enough to say, let it be done according to your word. Amen.